into sweet Holy Spirit of reverence to dear Abba Father, we glorify you. We thank you for the privilege to be in your presence. We thank you for the privilege to share fellowship with bless your name. We ask that Jesus will be glorified. Let this time of fellowship reveal Jesus to us more. Thank you, Lord. You are welcome. Take all the glory, rule and reign. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to Jesus. But we quickly to God's word, like us, like um, um, I made us understand that this is a month of fasting, and I will privilege this to start the first of the month. And I'm also, we've also uh, made us understand that uh, um, the theme for this month is restoration. And um, um, this is what the Lord told us in the month of August. And I'm trusting God for Him to do great and mighty things in our midst. Amen. And um, um, basically, our emphasis on this aspect of restoration is um, restore all things. Restore all things. I believe many of us have heard messages, teachings, sermons of restoration. I believe so. And I, and I trust God that um, you're going to flow along with this because you get a lot about this. And um, also, the Holy Ghost will ignite something in your spirit. Amen to Jesus. And for scripture, Matthew 17, verse 10 to 12. This is a, the, his disciples asked that Jesus, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias is come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they wished. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Holy Spirit grant of revelation into your word in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now the question asked by Jesus' disciples in the stand above was the end product of the eyewitness encounter of the transfiguration of Jesus they had. Amen to Jesus. Now they had just had an eyewitness encounter. Jesus took Peter, James, and John to the mountain, and then in their presence he was transfigured. Initially they were sleeping. Now these guys had a challenge with sleep. Amen. The Bible, praise God. Even when they went to Gethsemane, they were sleeping also. Now, so, but while they were sleeping, Jesus transfigured his garment, became white, shining white, and then appeared Elias, Elijah, and, and, and Moses. And the, the, the transfiguration act woke them off. Now, while they were sleeping, the act of transfiguration had an impact on them, even in their sleep realm. And they had to wake up from the sleep. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Amen to Jesus. Now, there's, there's the difference between the transfiguration and, 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 and the Gethsemane experience. The transfiguration, they were sleeping, but when it happened, they woke up. Gethsemane experience, they were sleeping. Jesus prayed for three hours, and he woke up. Amen to Jesus. Praise God forevermore. Now, why was this so? Uh, because the transfiguration experience was a very important for their tax in the future. Now, why the Gethsemane experience was important for Jesus? Because he was in his passion. He, actually, Jesus died in Gethsemane. He shed his blood in Gethsemane. When he allowed the will of the Father override his will, praise God forevermore. Now, so, the Gethsemane was particular to Jesus, but the transfiguration was actually particular to the disciples. Let me say this way. Jesus actually transfigured because of them. But Gethsemane was because of him. That's why he didn't have a problem with them when they didn't wake up. He, he went two times to wake them up. And they were sleeping. And the third time he came and said, No problem, uh, we can continue sleeping. He didn't have a problem, why? Because that was not actually their, it was not their revelation, it was not their, death, their ministry. Are you getting what I'm saying? But the one that was particular to them, he didn't have to wake them up, the act itself woke them up. 
They were sleeping when the act began. They woke up. I trust God that in the course of this meeting, whoever it is that is in a spiritual slumber, a psychological slumber, a mental slumber, a, a whatever slumber, by in the course of this meeting, the meeting itself, the presence of the meeting, by the virtue of the revelation of God's word and the power of God, we wake you up in the name of Jesus. We are trusting God for a great awakening in the course of this meeting. Amen to Jesus. Now, because this meeting is important for you. The transfiguration was important for Jesus, but more important for the disciples. And we see that in the course of this teaching. Praise God forevermore. Now, although the focus of the transfiguration was neither Elijah nor Moses, their presence sparked inquisitivity in the disciples. Are we together? The focus of the transfiguration was not Elijah, neither was he Moses. Like one of our teachers we learned a while ago, that the purpose of Moses coming there was to tell Jesus, Jesus, hey, quiet too. These people, they know how to push people. They know how to push you to talk. They push me, I got angry, I struck the rock, and at the end, God said, you did not honor me before the people. Now, it became the same people that I fought for, the same people that I said, God said, it was before them, I dishonored him. And then, uh, we know that I didn't see that, I didn't enter the promise, and I said, so please, just be quiet. That's what the Bible said, that they sheep to discover and you could not man, because Moses advised their praise God forevermore. Hallelujah to Jesus. Now, but the emphasis was not Moses and Elias. Amen to Jesus. The emphasis was Jesus, who was the one being transfigured. Now, who was the focus of the transfiguration? Now, Matthew 17, verse 1 to 2 makes us understand. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as a sun, and his raiment was white as the light. Who was the focus of the transfiguration? As seen in this verse of scripture above, neither Elias nor Moses was transfigured. Only Jesus was transfigured. So Jesus was the focus of all of the transfiguration. Now we must understand something that whenever the transfiguration becomes a subject, the focus must be on Jesus. And as we as we follow Jesus, as we walk in our in our in our Christian faith, as we keep growing in the revelation of Christ, did we keep understanding the focus of the, the, the power of the transfiguration. That act was very important for these disciples. And as we go in our faith, as we grow in our faith, this transfiguration act is important. Why? Because it keeps us focused on Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It keeps us focused on Jesus. Amen. That's why every child of God must have an encounter with the transfiguration. And the encounter with the transfiguration is actually an encounter with Jesus. Amen. Where his fullness of his glory is revealed to us via his word. Amen to Jesus. Now, so this makes of this now that we understood that the trans focus of the transfiguration was Jesus. Now, this gives rise to another important question. Why did Jesus take his disciples to the mountain? Was it to see him transfigure or to see Elias or Moses? Now we've seen something that the focus of the transfiguration was Jesus. Because he was the only one who transfigured. Now, why did Jesus take the disciples to the transfiguration mount? Was it to actually see him transfigure or was it for them to see Elias and Moses? He could have jumped well up, stayed in their presence. Is that not so? He doesn't to take them to a mountain to transfigure. Just the same way he came after his resurrection and he showed them, touch my side and every other good He could have stayed in the, in, in the while they were eating or while they were, you know, uh, uh, um, talking and he just transfigures in the presence. He can do that. He's God. He's all, he's all powerful. He can do that. So why the mountain top experience? Why seclude them? 
for what? Transfiguration. Now, um, students of God's word, our purpose is to keep asking the wise. Why? Because when we ask the wise, we can get further clarity. Jesus can do this on his own, in the room, wherever. Why take them for a transfiguration experience? Now the truth was that Jesus neither took them to see him transfigure, nor for them to see Elias and Moses to shock him. Praise God forevermore. And now let me again understand something. Jesus never needed to prove the point to his disciples. Just the same way God does not need to prove any point to us today. He doesn't need to prove any point. Are you getting what I'm saying? He doesn't need to prove any point to us. One of the things that, one of the signs of maturity spiritually is the, the, the desire not to prove the point to anybody. Yeah. As you grow higher in your work with God, as you grow into maturity, one of the things that shows up in you is that you don't try to prove a point to anybody. You're no longer in the business of proving a point to anybody. I read a story about a, the picture was shown live. It was, it was the, story, the picture was um, shown and the story was given and um, it was um, a dog race. And there were like four dogs, you know, the way they do the dog, the race, they put them in kind of the same way they do horse, they put them in something like a, a cage, a pen, and then they release them and they do the gun shot and they start running. They put dogs there and they put a cheetah. And they did the gun shot and all the dogs were running, but the cheetah sat inside the pen and it didn't move at all. It moved. And they were wondering why did the cheetah not move? And Somebody understood the reason why the cheetah did not move. The cheetah knew that he is the fastest. He's the fastest ground animal. So he doesn't need to waste his time with dogs to prove a point. And you know what I'm saying? If you want him to eat the dogs, he can eat the dogs. You know what I'm saying? But not to prove that he's faster than the dog. No, 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 no. And you know what I'm saying? Now that's one of the proofs of maturity. The proof of maturity is that you are not trying to prove a point to anybody. We are not trying to show up to anybody. You are just flowing in your work with God. Amen to Jesus. We've been on maturity for a period of time in our, in our Sunday services, and, and I believe it's very helpful for every child of God. Amen to Jesus. Now, so neither Jesus did not take them to see him transfigure or see Elias and Moses. He didn't want to show up to anybody. He took them to encounter what John the Baptist encountered while he baptized him and bore witness of him. Are you know what I'm saying? Jesus did not take them for a transfiguration show off. Because today what we see in church is more of show off. We are getting more into the showmanship than into the revelation of Christ. Are you know what I'm saying? Jesus did not take them for a show. He didn't take them to show how he can, his, his clothes can shine. He didn't take them to show how he can transfigure. Neither did he take them to show that he can talk with Elias and Moses. He's all powerful that he can bring Elias, which symbolizes the prophet, and Moses, which symbolizes the law, and him, that is the grace of God. So I can bring the, the, the Old Testament and the New Testament together. He didn't come to show what he can do. He actually brought them to have the encounter John the Baptist had. That same encounter that John the Baptist had, that he said, Hey, behold the Lamb of God and take it away the sins of the world. That is the reason why they could sleep in the ceremony. Why? Because what they needed to encounter, they had encountered it on Transfiguration Mount, they didn't need to tarry in the ceremony. In the ceremony, it was the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world. 
things of the world. Are you getting what I'm saying? And John the Baptist saw and he said, Behold the Lamb of God that take away the sin of the world. See the way see the way the see, see, take away the sins, uh, take away the sin of the world. And in, in the, the, the Transfiguration Mount, Jesus took the disciples to have that encounter. So when they had it, while they were sleeping, he said, If already had it, I made you have it. So you don't need to see the Lamb again in Gethsemane. You've already had it in Transfiguration. Even though they didn't understand what was happening, but he understood. If not, he would have made sure they stayed away. Remember, we started off that in Gethsemane they slept, he woke them, they slept, he didn't bother. But in the Transfiguration, they started to sleep, but they couldn't sleep. You must be able to understand why things happen the way they happen. Why? Because they needed an encounter. And that encounter was what made them settle even for Gethsemane. They need to understand why Jesus left them to be sleeping in Gethsemane. So what you must know, have about in the, the month of transformation, we started off sleeping and we couldn't continue sleeping. But here we have been sleeping and Jesus just wakes up and he goes and we sleep and he goes over there. They have gone to the encounter. They have to, they have to encounter what John the Baptist encountered that made him poor witness of Jesus. We see this in verse 5 and 6 of the chapter on that consideration. We see Matthew 17, verse 5 to 6. It says, While yes, they behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples said it, they fell on their faces and were so afraid. John says, and John bear record saying, I saw the spirits descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And when you see for that, the Bible says that John said, he said, and the Lord, the, the Lord told me, whosoever you shall see the spirit rest upon. Whosoever you shall see the spirit. So even John the Baptist, though he was a cousin of Jesus, but he didn't actually know Jesus in the dimension of what? Of the Messiah. He knew Jesus as a righteous man, definitely. They lived at distant locations, so they were not like, no, I'm um, playing every time. Just like I have cousins that I, 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 I met 20 years ago. I have some cousins that I don't think have even met. Are we together? Same way, Jesus and John the Baptist were. But news must have reached John the Baptist that this your Jesus cousin is a righteous man. And John knew that, yes, his cousin was higher than him. And you get what I'm saying? In righteousness, yes, he was a righteous man. But about him being the Messiah, John did not know about that. But God told John, whosoever you see the, 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 the Spirit of God descend upon in the bodily shape of a dove. That one is who is my son and is the Messiah. So why John was baptizing? Why he was baptizing? When Jesus came, John said, Oh, no, 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 no. You, 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 are, you are the one meant to baptize you. Why did John say that? Because he saw Jesus as a man higher than him in righteousness. Over the years, they are known. And he has seen Jesus. He had heard about Jesus. Once in a while, when they meet, he has seen Jesus. He knew that Jesus was a man higher than him in righteousness. So he said, no, you are the one meant to baptize me. But Jesus said, suffer you to be so. While John the Baptist was telling Jesus, you are the one meant to baptize He was not saying that on the grounds of his understanding that Jesus is the Son of God. No. He now was he saying that on the grounds of understanding that Jesus is the Messiah. Yes, he heard the prophecy that Mary was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Beautiful. He heard every of that. But not that concrete revelation was the basis on which he said that. He said that on the revelation of the fact that he knew that Jesus was a righteous man. But this Jesus 
Jesus being the Messiah and the Son of God. No, not that revelation. But what happened? It says when he baptized, the Lord told him, whosoever you see. So John the Baptist was counting for this person who the Spirit of God will come upon while he's baptizing the person. And suddenly it happened to be his own cousin. And when he baptized him, and he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove, and he heard a voice from heaven, John the Baptist said, this is it. Behold, and then as that happened, the Bible says, John the Baptist, who was, he said, I'm, the, I'm not the Messiah, but I'm the voice of one in the wilderness, crying, prepare the way for God, and make sure it's bad. And I baptize him with water, but who is coming after me, baptize him with Holy Ghost and fire? Who the blessings of Yeshua were wanting to tie? He didn't know who this who was, but he kept on talking about this who. But that day, he had a one-on-one -on -one encounter with this who. And then when that happened, he immediately did, he fulfilled his work as one of the foreigners. Watch this very well. On the baptism of Jesus, that was when John completed his task as a foreigner of Jesus. When the Jesus was baptized and the dove and the angel and the, the Holy Spirit came in the body shape of his dove upon them,
You must have those encounters so you can act with wisdom. That's the reason why we are a generation that does not honor fathers. The Bible says, Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long. And it's, it, I'm paraphrasing the book of Proverbs says, A generation that curses their fathers and curses their mothers. It's a, it's a reprobate generation, and you know what I'm saying? You feel your father did not do well, all because you don't encounter what he encountered. If you encounter what he encountered, you will know that he did very well. And Jesus knew that it was very important for the disciples to encounter what John the Baptist encountered that day. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because in no time they will be greater than him. Matthew 11 verse 11, Jesus speaking and says, Very I say, very I say unto you, among them that are born of women, they have not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. And Luke 7 verse 11 says, But I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than him. The least in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, referred to by Jesus, comprised of all who receive the finished work of Christ and his forgiveness. And Jesus' disciples were the first to be the least. And you know what I'm saying? These three guys and the others that followed them, they were the first to be this list of the greater than John the Baptist. And saying is that when Jesus had already told them ahead of time, before this son, he had told them, John the Baptist, John the Baptist, you see this John the Baptist, this John the Baptist is the greatest prophet that ever lived. But the least in the kingdom of heaven shall be greater than him. And they were wondering, they were puzzled by that kind of spirit. Who is the least in the kingdom of heaven? What is this kingdom of heaven Jesus talking about? But Jesus spoke to them in deep words, but he gave them encounters to solidify the world. And Jesus said, You are the ones that are going to become the, the least in the kingdom of heaven. You, these ones that are fishermen, you, these ones that are nobodies, you, Jesus told them at the very time, He said, Hey, He says, These things that have been revealed to babies, the, the kings and the Lord will seek these things to be revealed to them, but it is by the, the, the Lord takes glory in revealing them to you, babies. And you get what I'm saying? He said, For I said, God, upon the person, God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise and, and the weak things to confound the strong. Praise God, friend of all. Now, Jesus understood him that these ones were going to be the least in the kingdom of heaven. Very soon, they will be greater than John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the greatest Old Testament prophet that lived. But in the New Testament, the least, these ones that are look like nothing. These disciples were the bunch of people that you cannot explain. Why? Because they walked with Jesus for years and then they still ask some stupid questions. There was a time Jesus finished um, 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 feeding the 5,000 and they entered into the, to the boat and he was talking about the, 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 the yeast of the Pharisees. And at a point in time, they began to think whether it was big, it was bread Jesus was talking about. I just said, what's your problem? What's your problem? How can you be thinking of bread? When I'm talking about Israel, there were people that could not understand, they could not, they could not discern. There were people who were let this world talk spiritually. But how can you explain that these ones will be greater than John the Baptist? These same ones are the ones that have been the least in the kingdom of God. I don't know what I'm talking to here, but I'm telling you something, that even the, 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 the weakest of the new born again child of God is greater than John the Baptist. But for them to manifest that greatness, they needed to encounter.
negative encounter. Why? Because this greatness will be a heavy greatness without the encounter. Are you getting what I'm saying? Until the son, the son of man, transfigured. Are you getting what I'm saying? The glory that they saw in Jesus was the same glory he's to come back with in the second coming. So they had to have an understanding of the power of the ages to come, even in their time. We are yet to see it in our time. Actually, by right, is the final operations of God. But God wants to give us a taste of it, the power of the world to come. He wants to give us a taste of it, even in our time. That was why Jesus told them, let me show you what I will look like when I'm coming in my second coming. Let me reveal this glory to you. John the Baptist saw it, and when he saw it, his ministry ended. It was painful that he was beheaded, but the actual truth was that that was the end of his ministry. Because he has seen that glory, and he has fulfilled the assignment, any further state will be tantamount to destruction of his ministry. That was why when he sent a messenger to Jesus, and he said, and he said, are you the one to come over to expect another? And Jesus told them, tell him, the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dead are brought back to life. Blessed is the man that is not offended in me. Jesus understood something, that this guy has finished his assignment, but he doesn't even know he has finished his assignment. And any further stay, he will spoil the good work he has done. He will enter into offense, and offense destroys the great work. And what did Jesus say? Blessed is the man that is not offended in me. In other words, I bless you to go. Yes, it is painful that he went by beheading, but the most important thing was that he went without destroying the work he did. He had finished work when he baptized Jesus, and any further sin would have been tantamount to destruction of the work. But there was somebody that Jesus said was coming, and it was a greater than the John the Baptist. That is the least in the kingdom of God. And this was, it was important, the encounter, the encounter. Let me tell you something. You cannot climb on the shoulders of a man you know had his encounter. You cannot do greater than a man you know had his encounter. We live in a generation of youth that have no encounter. They know nothing and they shout so much. I remember a man of God said something. He said, I cannot walk with you if I don't know what you have suffered. And in everything, he kept on saying, what have you suffered? What have you suffered? We live in a generation that wakes up and they curse their fathers, not knowing what their fathers have suffered. I remember a story that was told me by one of my colleagues in my office then, and it was a story about John Hyde. They prayed so much that they removed John for his name and they put praying in his name. So they called him Praying Hyde. He was a man of prayer, violent, aggressive prayer. John Knox's kind of prayer, the mother of the apostle Paul, kind of prayer. And one day, John Hyde was the meeting, and he saw a man of God merchandising the anointing. And he got angry in his spirit, and he went to his prayer closet. What John Hyde does is that when he wants to pray, when he wants to make declarations, he goes on his knees and he makes prayers and prays and prays and prays and prays and prays and prays. Prays in the spirit, prays for a long period. And when he has prayed for that period, he makes a declaration. Once he does it, it's all over. If the declaration was stand. And now they went to his prayer closet. And he wanted to pray and make declarations on this man that was merchandising the anointing. He wanted to curse him and he wanted to make a declaration. As he opened his mouth to pray, no prayer came out. He thought that something may be made. He opened his mouth again, he said, No prayer came out. We opened his mouth again, he tells that, and no one, no, he, he was actually dumb at 
anointing is much. You've said merchandising now. And he said, no, no. And God said, leave him to me. It's my business. We have a generation that wants to do better than their fathers, but they don't even have any of their encounters their fathers had. And most of all, we have a generation that curses their fathers and insults their mothers. No man is perfect. Every man is flawed. But when you see a man who has been graced and helped by God, all you can do is to keep praying for him. Even if he's in errors, even if you're being our generation, Peter would have said, did you see the way John the Baptist died? We are greater than that guy. They beheaded him. They beheaded him. They just beheaded him like that. You, you, you would have told the Baptist king, send disciples to come and start asking Jesus. If he was sitting inside, actually, Baptist, he must have gone to hell. Just like the generation that we are saying that they all they do is go to hell and see men of God in hell. A mad generation, a foolish generation. Even of this generation, if we try to be this generation, this stupid generation that we have today, you would have said, John the Baptist went to hell. Say, why is he so? Because John the Baptist doubted Jesus before he died. How did that? He sent his disciples to ask him Jesus on the Messiah, or if we be expecting another Messiah. John the Baptist went to hell. I saw, if I, I ever went to hell and I saw him to hell. <laughs> but I tell you something, that until Jesus began to speak about John the Baptist, when he said, what did you go to see in the wilderness? Did you go to see a man dressed in purples? Or to see a breed? He said, oh, no, 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 that, that's not who John the Baptist is. And then he said, amongst all prophets, there's no greater than him. But the least is the king of God, the John the Baptist. But for this list, begin to manifest the greater than God, but they will encounter his encounter. And that encounter was the encounter that he had when he saw the Holy Spirit dressed upon Jesus in a body shape. No! And they heard, you know, in the transfiguration, the same voice they heard in the baptism they heard, it is that also? The same voice came and said, "This my beloved son, yearly, he will be Two encounters, one was for John the Baptist, the baptism, the other one was in the transfiguration. This makes you understand that the encounter of the transfiguration was a replication of what? The baptism. And it was what? Jesus making them see what John the Baptist saw. So that they can do greater than him. <laughs> and I tell you, child of God, we are a generation that needs that encounter again. We need that encounter as a denomination, as a ministry, we have been praying for it. Because there's something wrong somewhere. We Encounter again. We need to hear the voice of the Lord again. We need it. When the transfiguration was happening, the disciples started the transfiguration sleeping, but nobody told them to wake up. We are crying for that encounter again because when it happens, when that encounter comes, we don't need to pray for them to wake up. The encounter wakes them up. When the encounter comes, Baptist. 
And I tell you, that's what we are crying for again. Because look at the church of Jesus today. Look at the way, look at the way things are going. We are theorists. We are not practicalists. We are good at talking, but there is no power. We are good at speaking. We have become so eloquent and we have become so 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 oratory. But in the oratory and eloquence lies no power. That's not the church that was better. This church was planted by an encounter. Before the Pentecost was the transfiguration. Let me help you understand something. That the transfiguration better the Pentecost. Are you getting what I'm saying? The transfiguration better the, 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 the feeling of the Holy Spirit. We have a generation that we say we have we are been filled by the Holy Spirit, but we don't have any transfiguration experience. We don't hear God, we don't know God. The God we claim to hear, we don't hear. The God we claim to know, we don't know him. And that's why we are speaking, those are speaking and speaking, those who are talking and talking. Nothing to show. We need a generation that we come greater than John the Baptist. Because that's what actually the church is. And he didn't say the greatest, he said the least. The least, the least. and back at water. The least, the least. That is to say, at all, at all, that as he bar, will be greater than Johnny, but what are you not talking? At all, at all, the worst case scenario, hey, is that will be greater than John the Baptist. That is the church of Jesus better. Uh, he took them to have the encounter that John the Baptist had. To hear the same voice he heard. Some people said in the baptism that it was a thunder. Some rainer that it was a thunder. Some said he heard a voice. Now let me tell you something. John the Baptist heard a voice because he was in tune. Some heard thunder. Can I hear that something? And let me tell you, when God is speaking to some people, it will sound like thunder. There's some people who sound like lightning. But to the man of the spirit, he will hear voice, the voice of God clearly. Let me tell you, the Bible says that God took Elijah. I'm going to be talking about that. He took Elijah and then he go to Mount Horeb. And when he got to Elijah, go. And my, 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 my Elijah went to Mount Horeb. The Bible says, and then came the lightning. And the voice of the Lord was not in the lightning. And then came the thunder. And the voice of the Lord was not in the thunder. The Bible says, and then there came a still small voice. Let me help you understand something. In that encounter in the baptism of Jesus, the thunder will be roaring. The lightning will be roaring. The same Elijah encounter repeated. He said, I I'm saying. But why the thunder? It takes sensitivity to the spirit. It takes spiritual alertness to be able to hear the still small voice and miss the thunder and the lightning. So why people were hearing thunder and lightning? John was hearing the still small voice. And that's what Jesus took the disciples to go and encounter. He said, You are going to be better than you, go and encounter that encounter. Jesus said, go and hear me. Go and hear the Lord. Because you'll be greater than John the Baptist. Have the same encounter. Some of us who criticize for our fathers, I'm asking you a if you had your encounter. You say that nothing like fathers in faith, no problem, I don't give it to you. But I know that when somebody is not my mate, it's not my mate. Eight wives is not my mate. If God born again before me, it's not my mate. I get what I'm saying. 
And even if it's what is what God is willing to do, and what God has meant to do it, and God has meant me to do, it's not still my mate. You can say we are all no problem, but it's not still my mate. You can you see, I don't agree with you, it's your cup of tea or lifting or uh, coffee, whatever. But my own is that I know my senior. Somebody that's my senior is my senior. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. If you are if you are God has you to achieve what I'm here to achieve, what you are here to achieve, I'll be thankful to God that you have even gone ahead of me. Yeah. And I'm hopeful that one day God will help me use me to achieve what He wants me to want. Achieve. I am not jealous of you. I'm thankful to God for you. It doesn't necessarily mean that you must lay hands on me. It doesn't necessarily mean that you must speak into my life. You get what I'm saying? But I'm celebrating what God is doing to you. We have a generation that is so stupid because they are so jealous, they are so confused, and so they, they fight what is bigger than them. The success you fight will never come near you. The anointing you fight will never fight for you. It will only fight against you. Even the disciples needed to have the encounter after the Baptist. <laughs> The so-called Tony Baptist has let's send the messengers to us if it's Jesus. They needed this encounter. And you know what I'm saying? Child of God, we need to have some encounters in this generation. We need to have the encounters. What a Susan revival brought, we need it. And you know what I'm saying? The encounters and the likes of Catherine Kuma uh, 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 Oswald Jesse, the encounters and the likes of Oswald Wigglesworth had, Mr. Sovereign had, the encounters and the likes of Kenneth Hagin had. We, we, we need those encounters. We need, we, we need some of those encounters. We need them. Because I, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm becoming more theorists. I'm becoming more theorists. Please, that is not my focus. But they needed to encounter that encounter that John the Baptist had. In order for them to be the world least in the greatest, the least in the kingdom that is greater than what John the Baptist. Number two, the second reason was that the gospel of Jesus spread on the testimony of eyewitnesses. And they were comprised of these three disciples who Jesus took to the mount where they saw him transfigured and heard the voice from heaven. Number one, they had to encounter the encounter of John the Baptist so they can be greater than John the Baptist. Number two, the testimony of Jesus was what? Spread by what? Eyewitnesses. Peter, James, and John. John said it like this in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. I can never forget it. He says, The things that we have seen, our eyes have looked upon, and our hands have had to the word of God. He said, My brother, we saw this man called Jesus. So this God man called Jesus, we saw him. And we looked upon him. We looked upon him. Looking upon you, you can see and remove your eye. But when you're looking upon your gaze is on him. That's how the Bible says, looking on to Jesus. It didn't say seeing Jesus, it says looking on to Jesus. The word looking on to a degree actually means to remove your focus from another thing and put your focus on that thing. So he said, keep your focus on Jesus. He said, and we have looked upon. We, we kept our focus on it, we kept our gaze on him. We so focused on him that we became blind to what was happening around us. There were things happening but we could not understand. And it's that same focus that made us die for him. It's that same focus that made us obsessed with him. Because we looked upon him and he said, and we are handled. This man, we held his hand. He held our hand. We put our hand on his shoulder. This man, this man was not a spirit. He was a man like me and you. But Form. This is the word of life in man form. So listen to me. We are 
is here. Men don't die for lies. Men die for truth. And the reason why people are deceived to die for a lie is because they are painted a lie as a truth to them. But you know what? These men died for a truth that they saw. They looked upon and they had to do. So in the testimony of Jesus wrote on the eyewitness experience of these men. And so it was important for them to have that encounter. Why? Because that encounter was an ignition to their experience. They were the only ones who could tell about it. And so when people came and threatened them, this man is not God. They said, my brother, keep that quiet. Keep your mouth quiet. We saw this man transfigured. When, they, when he was going to heaven and he ate, they said, why are you, why are you sad? They said, Jesus, you saw going to heaven. We'll come back in life when I saw him going to heaven. They said, this father won't believe. Why? Because we saw him shine. We saw him transfigured. We saw him glow. So if they say he's coming back the way he came, he will come back. Because this glory, we have seen it before. When he was going to heaven, he was glowing. He said, this glory, we have seen it before. If he says he's coming back again, we believe him. So there was some encounter. This encounter was important to concretize everything they were to do. It was very important. Are we together? So it's very important to concretize every of the assignments. And I tell you, this encounter is also important to every one of us. It's very important. And thank God for those who say they have seen Jesus. He appeared to them physically. I appreciate God for them. I thank God for men who have had different encounters. I thank God for them. But you know one truth? John says something, and I want to recall, and I said it before. First John was on the things that we have seen, we have looked upon, and our hands have found of the world of life. Of the world of life. I don't know, somebody out there, you might be saying, I say, Pastor, what am I to encounter? Do you know what you have to encounter? Encounter the world of life. <laughs> of life. Yes, thank God for Peter who saw the transfiguration. Thank God for James and John who saw the transfiguration. Thank God that he heard the voice of God when he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We thank God for them. And they, are, they were even, Jesus said, they were, even if they are the least, they will be greater than John the Baptist. But I want to tell you something that the encounter that Peter had, the encounter that James and John had, the voice they heard has already been given to you in God's word. Encounter the world. Encounter the world. <laughs> uh, in our anchor text, we learn that Elijah came in John the Baptist for the restoration of all things. This means that John the Baptist came to restore all things. This he began to do, but he did not complete. This was due to the fact that, number one, he was killed at his prime. Number two, the least in the kingdom of God was to emerge to complete the task of John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist came to restore all things. Technically, he finished and he did not finish. Why? Now, when he said, Behold the Lamb of God who take away the sin of the world, he came as a foreigner to restore all things. He had a double, I mean, uh, intertwined purpose. A foreigner to restore all things. By Publicizing Jesus, he fulfilled the task of the foreigner. Are you getting what I'm saying? To restore all things by also publicizing Jesus, he fulfilled his task of restoring all things. But that task of restoring all things was not yet complete. He 
but there was a remaining part. Are you getting what I'm saying? And that remaining part is to be done by even the least in the kingdom of God. <laughs> what does that mean? It implies that the mantle of John the Baptist was given to the least in the kingdom of God. <laughs> they have the mantle of Elijah, the spirit of Elijah. Are you get what I'm saying? And then we have the mantle of John the Baptist. John the Baptist began a task, technically finished it, but didn't finish it. And because it was technically finished, but not finished, his mantle was given to the least in the kingdom of God. And what is the task of the least in the kingdom of God? To restore all things. The truth that the disciples needed same encounter John the Baptist had in order for them to continue his assignment of restoring all things when they become members of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, makes us understand that one, every born again child of God has the spirit of Elijah and the mantle of John the Baptist. And this spirit and mantle are operational in the ministry of restoration. <laughs> are we together? Everybody in the world, if I least in the kingdom of God, has that spirit in him. I believe you know what I'm That is what is in place. The spirit of Elijah, the mantle of John the Baptist. Now, that is that spirit and mantle operates in the ministry of restoration. And the purpose of it is to get you itchy for restoration. Are you know what I'm saying? Number two, the second reason is that revelation and divine encounter are instrumental for restoration. Revelation and what? Divine encounter are instrumental for restoration. Remember, in the Mount of Transfiguration, these two things were in place. Christ was revealed to them. The ministry of Elijah was revealed to them. The ministry of Moses was revealed to them. Christ was revealed to them as a grace of God. And also, it was an encounter that woke them up from their sleep. You see, this transfiguration encounter is what the church needs now. Because, you see, when the transfiguration comes, you don't wake people up. I, I read uh, on one of the greatest revivals that happened. A man was praying in America, a man was praying for revival in a small location. They just prayed. And sorry, the revival hit big. It just came on an on, on announced, on call, on a platform. The pastor was just preaching on a, on a normal service, and so many people started crying. They started running out, asking for repentance. And that service, they just came out to the water and asked my brother. That service ran through the whole day. They didn't know what was happening. The next day, people ran to church the morning again. Through the whole day. That was how the Bible affected. You don't wake them up. The encounter wakes them up. Yes. It wakes them up. And like never before, we need that encounter in the church. Yes. We need revelation and divine encounter. We need a revelation of Christ and a divine encounter with him in the world. Are you getting what I'm saying? And I discovered that he was a very emotional person. Why? Because the word of God was like fire in his bones. Even when he does not want to speak, the fire will force him to speak. And you get what I'm saying? That he got God in his word. The, 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 the ministry and the mandate of God on his life messed up his life. Let me use it like that. When he even wants to keep quiet, the thing will bubble in him and pop out from him. That's what we're talking about here. We are talking 
talking about a revelation and an encounter that will ignite the fire of God in the bones of men and women. That will make them go on out. That will make them get ready to, 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 to spend and be spent. That will make them ready to give their all and give their life. That's what we are talking about here. When the transfiguration encounter comes, it wakes men up from their slumber. It wakes men up from their sleep. Church. That's our cry. 
That's our prayer. All these things we are looking for, they are meant to be looking for us. Restoration is the end product of revelation and divine encounter meshed together. <laughs> Lord, restore me. No, 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 no. All you need, you don't need to pray, Lord, restore me. Lord, divine revelation. Give me a revelation of you, Christ Jesus. Give me an encounter with you. Men who have stories to tell to me, they had encounters. John said it like this. John the Beloved said that it's the things that we have seen. They had encounters. And they are proof to their encounters. Child of God, it's time to stop praying for restoration. It's time to start praying for revelation and encounter with God's word. All you need is the revelation of Christ. Let Christ transfigure before you. Let his glow. Let his glory be revealed. Fear the world. All you need is an encounter the revelation of Christ to his world. I tell you, you don't need to pray for no restoration. Restoration will come by itself. And this happens first when we begin to activate the spirit of Elijah and the mountain of John the Baptist. I think it's time for Christians to become dissatisfied with the status quo. The word status quo is from the Latin word. It's from a Latin word that it means this mess that we are in. I believe it's time for us to get tired of this status quo. This status quo of, of spiritual laxity and laziness. This status quo of, of of spiritual dullness and slackness. Oh, the least in the kingdom of God is meant to be greater than John the Baptist. How come even the so-called greatest is not spelling John the Baptist? There is an error. And the error is that we are not allowed Jesus to be transfigured before us. We have allowed ourselves to take the sin of not allowing Jesus. We will not allow Jesus. We will not allow him. And so we lack revelation and we lack encounter with the world. We lack those two. And that's why the, the, the mess will remain in the mess. But today I don't know who is out there, who's under the sound of my voice, who say, I need a restoration. I need it. Lord, I'm desperate for it. If you are that kind of person, you are going to be praying with me. But before we pray, I want to pray for everyone person who has not made Jesus and other personal savior. Please, at this point, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that over 2,000 years ago, you died for me and you resurrected for me. And by your blood, you took away my sin. Jesus, I choose you today. I surrender my life to you. I make you my Lord and personal savior. Thank you for dying for me and choosing me. Jesus, I choose to save you and follow you all the days of my life in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for everyone who has made this prayer. And thank you for receiving them in the Lord. Thank you for the grace to save and follow you and give it to them. Thank you, Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Now we're going to be praying two prayers. Now I'm going to call the two of them and we're going to pray them together. Because you must, we must, we must see the things change. Amen. We must see the times change. Yes, yes, yes. Our first prayer is in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I receive, I receive and activate, activate the spirit of Elijah, the spirit of Elijah and the mountain of John the Baptist the of on, my on my life. Now. now. Say so in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I receive. A divine encounter, divine encounter and revelation, revelation from the word of God, the word of God that, will empower, that will empower and enable me, and enable me to, put to, work to put to work the spirit, the spirit of, Elijah of Elijah and the mantle of John the Baptist on my 
moved. And this move is a move of the awakening. Yes, Lord. But it's affected by the transfiguration. Mm. When the transfiguration is in place, you don't need to tap me to wake up. Mm. The transfiguration itself wakes them up. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to pray and say, Lord, let your transfiguration act be made manifest in the church of Jesus. Yes, Lord. We don't need to pray for the awakening. Mm. When the act of transfiguration is made, but when Jesus is brought back to the, the altars, when Jesus begins to when Jesus is begin to be revealed, when Jesus becomes a focus, when Jesus is transfigured before, before the people, they wake up. Amen. You know, let, let the transfiguration act be made manifest in the church of Jesus. Once so you open your mouth and pray, oh, Lord, yes. Lord, we ask for your transfiguration that to be made manifest in the church of Jesus. Once so again, let Jesus be revealed again. Let Jesus be the focus again. Let Jesus glory be Connect this person, this world to the person 
the Lord is destroying brain tumors now. Amen. Brain tumors are destroyed now. Whatever the kind of tumor it is, whether it's the cancerous tumor in the brain region, they are destroyed now in the name of Jesus. Amen. In the pelvic region, there is an infection in the pelvic. I said infection in the pelvic region of somebody here. A serious infection in the pelvic region. That, I, I, that, that, that the power of the is running through that pelvic region and that infection is destroyed now in the name of Jesus. Amen. I see a blood fallopian tube. A blood fallopian tube. And I see the power of God running through that fallopian tube now. Amen. You are literally feeling a, a, a heat sensation running through. And that blockage is melted off. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Somebody, the right eye. Blindness in the right eye. That spiritual cataract. Is destroyed now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Eyes open. Amen. Eyes open. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Death ears open. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Dumb tongue open in the name of Jesus. Amen. Speech delays and disorder be destroyed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Mental delays and disorder be destroyed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for healings. Thank you, Thank you, Lord, for deliverance. Thank, Thank you for transformation. Yes, Lord. For somebody, I see the Lord opening a door for you. It's a door of opportunity. In a particular line of business, of the believing God, I see the Lord opening it for you. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for miracles everywhere. Amen. Blessed be your name forever, Lord. Be glorified, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. We thank God for this first day. The Bible says, uh, part of it just like a shining light, a shining one more to it perfectly. If the first day was this glorious, then what do I expect the next day? It's going to shine better and better. Please, God bless you. Grace to you.